Warning, Extra Credits contains course spoilers. It also contains some opinions and some facts. There may even be some opinions parading as facts or vice versa. If you never come to class and don't read the text, actually, honestly, if you never come to class and don't read the text, then there's no way that you're listening to this. Fair? Guys, what do you think? Fair? Okay. Fair. Uh, and so we're not going to give away the ending. And so it's probably not spoilers because you're like, yeah, I mean, I know this stuff. Anyhow, you've been warned, and now it's time for Extra Credits. The day is January 3rd, 2021. You just closed your month-end accounting records for December, and boy, was it a good month. Bath bombs were the hot gift this holiday season. Your business bank account has about $5,000 in it, and you decide to withdraw $4,500 and go buy yourself a new home entertainment system. TV, PlayStation 5, surround sound, all the works. The invoices came sharply and quickly in the weeks afterward. $800 for supplies provided in December. $750 for utilities used up to December 31st, 2020. Phone, internet, and who could, who could forget payroll for your single employee who worked so many hours to get the bombs to customers and agreed to take no pay until January 10th, 2021. You fall to your knees. Accrued expenses, you whisper. Pain washes over you. You never felt the fifth invoice. Only the cold. I'm not gonna lie, I'm crying right now. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) All right, hello and welcome to the first year financial accounting podcast you never knew you wanted or needed. Extra credits. I'm Mike. I'm Josh. And I'm Brad. And we hope this pod is, insert accounting pun here, to you. I'm sorry, that was really accrued of me. <laughs> oh, no, okay. No, it should have been a cruel, Mike. It was very oh. cruel of you. Well, it is in a cruel world, isn't it? I've been, I've been like explicitly avoiding making that joke during chapter three in class about it being in a cruel world. Yep. Um, but I guess we're gonna use it here, so perfect. Actually, um, Brad and I wanted to talk to you about that. We've heard that you've been explicit in class and <laughs> I feel like you really need to tone it down a bit, Josh, come on. Come on. No, I, no. I was in the same boat. I actually actively avoided saying it's been a cruel and a cruel world. I, I had to, it was in my head and I had to restrain myself from saying it. Are you kidding me? I've been playing Ace of Base, Cruel Summer, but I always say, ah, right before they say Cruel Summer. No, it's ah, Cruel Summer. No, okay. Um, and now everyone's like, what's an Ace of Base? Never you mind, chillings. Google, use Google. Yeah, yes, dear Dr. Google. It is slightly better than the debits and credits song. I had a question about the quiz. Um, student asked, hey, uh, it's open book. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he said, does that, can I use Google? And I was like, that's a fair, it's not the book, right? Um, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, you can use anything you want so long as you don't collaborate with someone else, right? So, yeah. Open book. But I do love Dr. Google. Check your facts though, be careful. It's not always going to give you the right answer. I, I was going to say, proceed with caution if you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, remember, information sources might not be as reliable as they seem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Proceed with caution. I like that. For, uh, so for, for all of you that, sorry, Mike, for, for oh, all of you that carry on and end up in my 369 class, park that one away somewhere in the back of your head because we do a class at the beginning where I purposely get you to go Google an answer uh, and you'll get the wrong answer. Uh, it <laughs> happens every time. You should get them to call CRA because then they'll also get the wrong answer. 
Doesn't CRA always give the right answers? I mean, <laughs> yes. I take it all back. It'll always <laughs> be the right answer. No, the, C- the CRA service agent who doesn't have much experience or education has the right answer. And you with the bachelor degree and CPA designation has it wrong. True. Very true. My goodness, we're on the record now. Uh, well, enjoy your audit, boys. Um, <laughs> or if you make the T silent, you can say that you got an Audi. Uh, so for our leadoff question, uh, I just wanted to know how your students or how you feel your students are holding up with the relentless screen time. So I don't know about you guys, but after a long day of real life, real lifing before all of this internet stuff happened, and I don't mean back in the 90s, but before we were online all the time, to relax, it was Netflix and chill, right? Grab your favorite beverage, play on your phone while something was playing in the background on Netflix. But now it's just, there's so much screen time, how do you relax? It's gotta be tough. So how do you guys think your students are holding up with the constant screen time, especially if they're taking five, six courses? I've actually asked, uh, I asked my 195 class what they do. Yep. And uh, I had a ton of messages come in about all the different stuff. Like it was really impressive. Um, they do all kinds of things, go to the gym, uh, play video games, which is not reducing screen time, but like it's different screen different time. Different type of screen time, yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know. I think I think they, they do a good job of actually balancing it out. Um, I think we probably do a pretty bad job. Oh, I'm garbage at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I, I get the I mean, I've, I haven't had anyone come and say that they're, you know, just feeling totally overwhelmed by the screen time. And I kind of get the impression that it's it's going OK, um, yeah. although maybe that's that's the wrong impression. But um, it, well, it can be a slow burn, too. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things that you don't um, like, you know, I'll, I'll find that after a long day, Tuesdays are my long day. So I've got class till 930 at night and I'll just kind of, I'll just be grumpy. Usually after a, a Tuesday night class at the college, get in the, get in the truck at 930, be home by 10 and then talk my poor introvert wife's ear off for an hour about all the cool things we did in class. And this happened and that I just can't sleep. I'm so excited. Um, whereas I'm loving my time in class but I do find that like I'm sort of grumpy for no reason. And, uh, you know, I think it has, you know, maybe if we don't know what it is, but I do think part of it is, you know, we're being observed through these you know, video cameras all the time. So it's definitely yeah. a di- different experience. So mm-hmm. excellent. Well, so if you, uh, if you, dear listener, um, are having some challenges or you have some cool solutions, why don't you go ahead and let us know, um, reach out to us. Uh, I think Josh is still the only person who's actually, no, Brad, you had a question, pod related question as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, I did. But uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. We're, we're at 350 listens. So people are actually listening to this thing, which I think is pretty cool. Good stuff. Hopefully our dulcet tones um, are, are better than you watching something while you're working out or going for a walk in nature or something like that. <laughs> no, this is a bedtime podcast. Oh, do you, think so? you know what we should do? Because uh, next semester, I don't think we're, well, we're definitely not teaching any overlap classes because I'm not actually teaching any classes with anyone else. Um, so we should actually convert this to a bedtime story podcast. <laughs> Let's go back and forth. Um, one of us will be the narrator and the other two will do voices and then we'll rotate through. Can we do a, a Christmas time reading of uh, uh, the, oh, now I've just lost it. 
what the heck is that? Uh, something Express. What is it? Polar, Polar Express. Express. A Christmas time reading of the Polar Express. I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as if we can do a um, non-denominational December reading <laughs> of the Polar Express, I think that Fair would be fun. <laughs> yeah. We should probably write something that encompasses like all of the December holidays. Uh, I'm not sure that we could do that and, and remain within sort of the bounds of appropriateness, but uh, we could try. <laughs> We could try. Isn't this how Festivus came about? I yeah. think it is actually. Yeah. The Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> we're breaking copyrights all over the place here. Good thing we're not making any money off this pod. <laughs> but it is keeping us sane. And I hope it's giving you a little bit further glimpse into uh, what we think about the, the content of the course, which is, I think, been going pretty well so far, having some fun. Actually, I should say I did have a comment from a student earlier this week, yeah. um, again, to be unnamed because I'm not going to let people know that you listen to the podcast or anything. But they did say that they find it helpful for like refreshing some of the content that we've talked about and learning it. So, Do you think what they do is they skip over the first seven minutes of us just talking about nothing and get right Probably. to the meat? Yeah. Probably. Which Probably. is actually the opposite of what I thought people would do, which was listen to it while at least while we think it's funny mm. and then tune out for the actual informative part. Yeah. I, I think that the thing is, Josh, that, that our students are better students than we were. True. That might be it. True. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we've got our topic rundown. We started off, we had um, adjusting entries last week. We're doing adjusting entries again this week, which might be a little late to the party, I suppose, considering we're just finishing up. Uh, adjusting now. Um, but we're going to start off, it's going to be a quick rundown this time because we only have a couple of entry types to take a look at. Um, although I guess if you consider a crude as like an A and a B, right? But they are really just the two. So last time through, we looked at uh, the depletion of assets through a bunch of different methods. So prepaids and then using those up um, or buying a piece of equipment or, or a, a depreciable asset and then depreciating it. Um, now we're actually going to look at the other side of the balance sheet and look at a liability. This one trips a lot of people up and it's called unearned revenue. And right there in the name, right? If it's unearned, then it's something that we owe. We have to earn it. Sure, that makes sense. But when you're looking at it in a, in a high pressure situation, I know that it can confuse people and it ends up on an income statement a lot and, and it shouldn't be there, right? So why don't we, uh, why don't I go to, because you guys are in this order on my Zoom list. Uh, Brad, why don't you let us know a little bit about what you think about unearned revenue? So I always think of unearned revenue uh, as it's the cash transaction where you're trying to figure out where the other side of that entry should go. So you've received cash from a customer. Right. Someone's coming and, and giving you cash and you're yep. like, why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or something that I haven't done yet, right? So um, if you think about it as paying a deposit for work that hasn't happened yet, yeah. um, or, or receiving a deposit for work that hasn't happened yet, it, someone has paid me to do something and I haven't done it yet. Mm. And so I think of it as a liability because if, if I don't do what it is I'm supposed to do, the work that they have actually paid me to do, so if I don't deliver whatever it is they paid a deposit for, I'm mm. going to have to give that money back because oh, yeah. I haven't earned it yet. Mm -hmm. And that's how I get to that whole, it's, it's unearned revenue. It's, it's something I've been paid for, but I haven't earned it yet. And I still have work to do in order to earn it. Okay. I like that. Uh, Josh, anything to add there? 
I mean, my addition would only be, I, I mean, and this is probably getting a little bit ahead to where we're going with accrued items, but I like to think of unearned revenue as, you know, we got paid, but we haven't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. And then if we have accrued revenue, we did the thing, but we haven't got paid yet. So they're just sort of the inverse of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't even know about it, which, yeah, like you say, we'll be getting into. I think unearned revenue is tough for people because most of our lives, if we are T4 people, and again, this is um, for those of you that aren't in my class, this is my first ever job um, where I have been a T4 employee. So this is very new to me. But for most people, you work for a couple weeks and then you get paid, right? So you're postpaid, not prepaid for your work for most of your life. So you're thinking, like, why would someone pay you ahead of time? And there, and there are lots of reasons for this. It could be something uh, like a, a retainer. So if you, you know, if you go to work with a lawyer, generally they'll want you to pay them a a bulk sum up front and then they'll use that up as they go. And so for you, that's prepaid legal services. For them, it's unearned revenue. And that's, for me, it's a neat way to look at it. Uh, One person's unearned is another person's prepaid. It's always the opposite side. So for an insurance company, prepaid insurance, well, if I'm prepaying for that insurance, when it comes to them, well, that's unearned revenue. They haven't earned that revenue quite yet. Mm-hmm. And it's just I like the that. side. Yeah, I like that one example. And we, we do that example in class, I think, or at least in, in our class we did, where it's a, an insurance company. And when you do it from one company's perspective, it is prepaid insurance and insurance yep. expense. And when you do it from the other company's perspective, it's unearned revenue. Absolutely, yeah. That's sort of poetic, Michael. One oh. person's prepaid is another person's unearned. That's it. This is this is as much poetry as you as you get out of me outside of the freestyle hip hop that I do at Dakota's every Thursday night. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did used to do open mic uh, stand up comedy, but I stopped that about uh, six months before I took this job because reasons. I actually had a student once say, hey, I think I saw you do open mic stand up at Dakota's once. Is this for real, Mike? Someone else, I think. I don't could have been doing. (laughs) This is real, Mike. You actually did open mic stand up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm so much of an extrovert that I wasn't able to get it all out um, on work time and family time. I actually had to go and talk to strangers. Um, Yeah, Um, Yeah, I went to I went to Toastmasters once. You guys ever been to Toastmasters? Mm -hmm. No, but I know. Shut up. Yeah. This is this is off topic, but uh, have either of you guys watched Parks and Recreation? Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah, it's like um, like you know, Ron Swanson has that alter ego uh, where he Duke, plays music in clubs. Yeah, Duke, Duke Silver, Silver, where he's the saxophone player. Yeah. yeah. So Mike Mike obviously has a Duke Silver like comedy alter ego that he probably plays shows in Kamloops or something. Uh, yeah, you got to go far, right? Well, I, I feel like we've got this entire interior catchment area, so we're going to need to. Once things open up again, I'll be going back to Alberta. It'll be uh, <laughs> most of them are are um, uh, jacked up truck and oil based jokes, but uh, you know, know your audience, right? That's it. That's it. Oh man! And uh, so if I'm in Edmonton, I make fun of the the Flames. If I'm in Calgary, I make fun of the Oilers. Uh, and if I'm anywhere, you make fun of the Leafs. And everyone uh, everyone thinks it's funny. Anywhere but Toronto. Anywhere. Well, you know what? I got to say, Leafs fans travel well. And I actually have a few Leafs fans in my class. Sorry if you're listening. I apologize. (laughs) Shall we move on from our off topic to back onto topic? We're next going to talk about accrued. So here's the biggest thing uh, for for me. Uh, 
how could things happen? Like, how can we earn revenue or, or accrue expenses that, or incur expenses, I guess, that we didn't even know about? Like, how is that possible? Uh, Josh, we're going to go to you first this time and we'll work our way up the list. So I know that in this course, we're dealing with proprietorships for the most part. So pretty yeah. small businesses, but you know, sometimes there are pretty large organizations where there are things going on that the accounting people don't really know about. So there, there could be work being done and revenue being earned that we're not aware of until, you know, we're told by some other department about it. And same with the expense side, you know, um, big organizations have a lot of costs and it's possible the accounting department's not going to see it until after the year end date and have to go back and accrue some of those expenses that should have been recorded in the previous period. Right. right. And I mean, for proprietorships, they might just not know that a bill is coming until after the month end. So, I mean, utilities is a common one. Yeah. Um, you, well, know you know that you're going to, they just don't know how much it's going to yeah, be. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, you could try to estimate it if you looked at your like gas meter yeah. and multiplied it by but, the rates. Yeah. Who wants to do that much work? We'll just wait for the bill. Just wait for the bill. Yeah. And then backdate it. So what you're telling me, Josh, is accountants can time travel. We, sorry, I missed that. What'd you say? Accountants can tra- time travel, right? Oh, totally. Totally. We can go back in time like the Huey Lewis song. <laughs> Pretty cool. No DeLorean needed. Just one of those printing calculators and it sends you back in time. Well, I mean, talking about that and going, we'll just go back and correct it. It's funny because accounting is one of these things that you think of as, uh, for my D&D people, like a lawful good profession. So everyone fits into this nice little box and everything's done when it's done. And yet we've got these things where we're going back and changing transactions or affecting transactions. And we're doing it for correctness and completeness, totally. But it does feel, doesn't it feel a little weird that we're, you know, it's January the 15th and we're making entries that say December the 31st on them? Yeah, it feels a little bit timey-wimey, you know, like we're we're playing around with the time-space continuum and we're messing with it. That's it. And again, no time turner needed, no DeLorean. Uh, Brad, how about yourself? Thoughts on accrues? So what I thought of when I read this is, you know, how do things happen that we don't know about? And I think some of the accrues, we do know about them. Uh, It's just not practical for us to record them every day. So thinking of things like interest expense and interest income, um, you know, if we have money in the bank, it's earning interest every day, but it's not actually necessarily getting deposited into our bank account every day so you know it probably like i always think of the ing savings account which i guess is tangerine savings account now or you've got money in the bank at at some point in the month tangerine will calculate that interest and put it into your account but you earned it throughout the month and so if you're doing your financial statements at the end of the month you want to include all of that income that you earned even though it hasn't hit your bank account yet yeah so we we know that it's there we know that we're earning it we just haven't actually recorded it yet and it's important that when we get to the end of the month we record it so that it is in our in the proper period yeah, we, we know it's there and we know that it's it's coming uh, or you might say it's receivable to us and that's why we use something like interest receivable brad you said something interesting there you said interest income and i've heard both interest income and interest revenue now are they different because when i think about income I think about, you know, some bottom line numbers. And so can you talk a little bit about um, the the verbiage there, the nomenclature there? Um, And is there a difference? And if there is, uh, what is the difference? 
Now you got me wondering if there's a difference. In, in, my, mean, in, in my I mind, I, I don't. I, I don't think there's a difference, but you're okay, a good. much better accountant than I am. So that's in, why in my I, mind, I don't. I don't Josh th- and I were both looking at you like, if anyone uh, knows, Brad's going to know. That's funny. No, in, in my mind, I don't see a difference. I okay, think okay. some of these words I use interchangeably. So I, I, I yes. will talk about um, income or revenue um, it, when I do that. To me, it's the same thing. If I'm earning income or I'm earning revenue, um, I, revenue is the term I should use because that that is the, the one that we're used to and the one that, that um, everyone you know sort of expects to see in what the textbook uses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, interest, interest revenue. Uh, well, it's kind of like in, in, in my class, um, I'll, I'll just say revenue. Whereas mm-hmm. I really should be saying service revenue, right? For for the when they and I just yeah. and so I had a student that said, Oh, well, shouldn't that be service revenue? I'm like, Yeah, I read out of space. It's like <laughs> when you do accumulated depreciation and it's just A C C D E P apostrophe N slash yeah. I do Oh, this sh- I, I do A slash D. Like I don't even get to A C C D E P. Oh, that's smart. I I might start doing that. Yeah. And you know, the one that I forget, I constantly forget to put like journal entry descriptions because when we get into later accounting courses, oh, we don't, yeah. we don't really care about the descriptions that much. Uh, oh, we sort of put them I, in our I back. I never pocket. do that in 111. Oh, ever, really? Ever. Oh, I never okay. do explanations. And it was okay. great because I had one student that was, he, he's like, hey, Mike. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, so the whole point of this is so we know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you've got like hundreds of these in a month and you go back and you look at one of these entries, if you don't put a description on it, aren't you going to be like, what the heck was I doing there? I'm like, yes, absolutely. You would be. Um, but uh, you know, my, my focus is more the description, at least for me is when we're doing the uh, transaction analysis before we do the journal entry, we're mm-hmm. thinking through yeah. that uh, description right. at that point. And so from a learning perspective, I don't know, but you're, yeah. you're saying in 263, 273 and, and all the way up, you're not too worried about uh, the explanation line of the. Journal. Not really. No. Um, Brad said something that sort of grabbed me as well. And I thought was funny is that, you know, if you have some money in the bank with tangerine and you're going to record a journal entry to accrue it, your journal entry is going to be like debit interest receivable for 14 cents and credit interest income for 14 cents because the interest rates are so low these days, right? Yeah. Like they're like 0.05% on like checking and savings accounts. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's even lower than that. We were actually for a, a business that I work with or a not-for-profit that I work with, we were looking at getting into a term deposit and it was 0.4% for an actual term deposit. It was ludicrous. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's low. For for those of you that have lived most of your you know lives when you would notice interest rates, I'd imagine most of our students have been in these low interest rate environment for most of their, I mean, what's it, what are we, 10 years now? At least yeah, more than 10 years. Yeah. At least. Yeah. So it's been uh, these, these historically low interest rates that have lasted for 10 years. Um, yeah. Been, been pretty interesting on, on that front. So, yeah. Um, and so like anything else, any final thoughts about accrues that we should uh, be thinking about? I know like, these are the ones where students are saying, okay, well the other ones, we've got the chapter two entry, if you will. Right. Uh, so for unearned revenue, your chapter two entry is uh, debit, cre- cash, credit, unearned revenue. Yeah. And then when you do the thing that you're supposed to do, you're paying back the unearned revenue effectively, then it's debit unearned revenue and credit revenue. So there's these two entries. The challenge with accrues is your adjusting entry is actually your chapter two entry. Does that make sense? Right, so your adjusting entry is actually what would normally be the initial entry. So for interest, it would be, you know, like the 14 cents, right? It would be interest receivable and interest revenue. And that's your initial entry. And then the secondary entry when you receive that interest would be cash and, and interest receivable. 
So it's, I, I think it's people wrapping their minds. All the other um, adjusting entries have the initial chapter two entry, and then the adjusting one is, is the secondary one, whereas these ones are a bit, a bit different. And mm -hmm. I've had some students having some trouble wrapping their minds around it. You are not alone. Um, adjusting entries are historically the most challenging uh, part of, of this class, I think, if you look at a single chunk, mm -hmm. which I always thought would be like FIFO and MWA from chapter, uh, chapter six. I said MWA. Uh, but yeah, no. I was like gonna say, are we parts. are we talking about like the rap group? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Straight out of the textbook. Um, <laughs> final thoughts, Bradley, Joshua. Um, so only final thought that came to me as you were talking about accrues again is on the salaries and and for students because that's one that seems to really trip people up. I find so often you get the salaries payable entry and people don't even know where to start. Um, and so I think a lot of the times if you guys can remember that when you're when you're trying to record that salaries entry, you're recognizing that people have worked, but you haven't paid them yet. Mm -hmm. So you, you're recording a salaries expense and you're setting up a salaries payable. And the real challenge of the question is just trying to figure out how much, right? Like how how much is the is the amount of time that people have actually worked leading up to that year end or month end or whatever you're doing your adjusting entry for. Um, so try not to overcomplicate that one because sometimes the facts on that question make it seem more complicated than it is. For sure, yeah. And I think in in this class, you know, it's it's they work the identical number of hours every day. And so it's, it's, you know, three days before and three days after adjustment. So it can be quite uh, uh, simple uh, out there, um, much more complex to try and figure out how much people have worked up to a certain, like to accrue that to a certain point. Uh, but we never get that uh, complex here because it's much more of a conceptual idea, right? Understanding the whole accrual versus casual thing. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, thanks for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening as, as we had making the pod just for you. And yes, if you are still listening, we made this specifically for you. So uh, virtual high five from the three of us. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a good uh, have a good rest of your week. Best of luck with your under revenue and accruals. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye, everyone. If you're listening to this before bed, sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>